Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Before I go into the Psalm, I like I have two announcements. The first is that um, this Sunday, there has been a request for drivers or helpers to pack um, clothes for migrant workers in the dormitory. Um, the request came very late, only on Saturday, so we couldn't put it up, put out the announcement. But um, we are just helping another organization and um, what they need are a few more packers to pack. They, they reckon about a thousand clothes into bags and then a driver and an assistant who will then ferry the clothes to the dormitory. Uh, there will be a contactless one. They will call the person in charge and then unload all the packages, all the clothes and then drive off to do another round. It will be between 2.30 and 6 o'clock. You can, I suppose, also volunteer for a shorter time. But this is the time span. They're expecting three trips. Now, if you are able to and you wish to support this, uh, do give me a call if you're not already on the chat group. Uh, if you're on the chat group for drivers and delivery people, then uh, just go straight to Tony. If you're not... Then contact me, I will put you in touch with Tony who is coordinating all of this work, including helping to buy things for groceries for those under quarantine order. Now, why is this important? I think this is important, though the work itself is a small thing. You don't get to see anyone. You just collect the clothes, leave it at the dormitory and drive off. But it's it means a lot to the migrant workers just to know that they have people who care for them that there are people who are delivering things to them. But it also does something to our hearts when we are able to give time to do work like that. It could be a start to understanding the needs, the joys, the plights of our migrant workers. So if you have the time this Sunday, 14th, uh, between 2.30 and 6, could you drop me a note and I will contact you, uh, connect you with Tony. Now the second announcement has to do with the parenting course. We continue our parent second session, second of four sessions um, in the parenting course on Friday night. Once again, uh, all this is on the website. Now, it's not only for those who are for parents, but I was thinking that even if you're not a parent, you're not a grandparent, not an aunt, perhaps it'll help you to understand children in general, how to relate to children, um, how to, yeah, how to reach out to children because there will be many children in our church. One of our focuses is that we want to make our children feel very welcome, or even our youth, to make our youth feel very welcome in our church and not treat them like aliens. And so, um, if you're able to, just um, sign up for this parenting course. Um, it's free. Um, call Chris. Chris, uh, phone numbers on the website. Just get to the website. Okay, that's for the announcements. So now we continue on part two of Psalm 90. Part two begins from verse 7 to verse 12. Let's pray before we begin. Father, speak your word to us. Allow us to see perspective in our lives and your plan for us and of the world, that we may never be haughty and arrogant, but always conscious of 
who we are before you, dreadful sinners yet beloved of yours. We ask, Lord, that you speak to us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 90, verse 7 to verse 12. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to seventy years or eighty if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This second part is by far the most depressing part of Psalm 90. And I encourage you then, I urge you then to, uh, if you have listened to this one, to make sure you listen to uh, the, the, the following one on Thursday. Because if you were to stop at this one, you'd be terribly, terribly depressed. But the hope comes in part three, um, which will come on Thursday. But let me recap. We began by saying that God has often said that he will lift up the humble and then he'll bring down the haughty. And it's not because God has a certain prejudice, but I've tried to show from this psalm that it's because of the reality of the situation. That God is the dwelling place, the home for all people. Even the homeless ones, they can find comfort and safety and warmth and love in God, who is our hope. But at the same time, those who are haughty have to take in perspective that they have nothing to be proud of. That our days of success, our days of pride will pass very quickly away. Whether we are talking about a nation or an organisation or an individual, that we are no bigger than grass that flourishes one day and then by evening it's withered and gone. Or that we are like dust, that we are considered really nothing before God. And so it's not just that God has a habit of bringing down the proud, although he does, but it's because the proud have a terribly bad, distorted um, perspective of their lives, of their successes, and feel arrogant over nothing, when the truth is that none of us amounts to anything. But today we talk about something even more depressing. It is about our sin and how God sees our sin. Verse 7 says, We're consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. And we immediately think, Well, God is such an angry God. How do we live with such an angry God? My question is, Is it God who is an angry God? Or that we are not very conscious, not very aware of the sins that we commit? Verse 9 says, You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your wrath, no, in the light of your presence. What the psalmist says is that you are angry, you are full of wrath and indignation towards us because you have sp spread out our iniquities before you. Everything that we do is transparent and exposed before you. A couple of days ago, a friend who was taking care of her loved one 
asked me if she had done enough for the for that relative. And I started enumerating all the things that she had done for this relative. She had really given much. And I said, there is no doubt that you have given more than enough. And then the reply was, thanks Mingli for the affirmation. But really, it's not for you to say, is it? It's for God to say. And I wonder what God sees that I have done. I knew immediately what she meant. Because what I saw of her were the very public things, the few things that she had done, some of the things that she told me that she had done for this relative. But what about the many, many things that nobody knew? The words that hurt, the words that cut, the words that brought another down, the actions of neglect at times that none of us knew. And this friend was very self-aware and she knew then that there were many, many things that nobody knew about and only God knew. Many actions that could have been hidden to all except to God. But God sees and she wanted to know what God saw and whether God was satisfied with what she had done. She wasn't very sure. I think all of us should have the same kind of self-awareness. As we look at sometimes we celebrate what people see and we, they place us on a pedestal and feel proud about it that we are great people. Sometimes people even call us godly men and women, very spiritual people. But none of these really matter. Because the question is how have we really lived our lives in private, in public? If all our lives are spread out as it were, spread out to God, He sees it all. What we live, how we live is often so hidden from everyone else. What people see are the tips of the icebergs, the very nice things that we have done, the good stuff that we have. But if all of our lives, all of our deeds were spread out before God, laid out in God's presence, what even of our thoughts? We have only talked about words and deeds, but what also of our thoughts? If all our thoughts were spread out, transparently before God? Would he be pleased or would he be very indignant? Would he even be angry? I think of the times when I might smile at someone and say, well done, and not really feel it. Or I might feel anger and jealousy and bitterness against someone, but when he confronts me, I smile and say, well, I like you. I've done a good job. Recently, uh, no, it wasn't recently, last year, a good friend of mine helped me to record a piece that I was playing. It was a soundproof studio. Um, and so I was recording it. And he did it as a joke, but he peeked into my studio and told, said to me, Well done, Ming Li. This was very well played. And then as he was about to shut the door, he didn't shut it completely so that he knew that I would hear it. He turned to my friends and said, This was the worst recording I ever heard. And everyone started laughing. But what he demonstrated was something that is true of our lives. We're two-faced in many ways. We say one thing to one person and then think differently of that person. Or we even say different things to that person. What if all, everything that we say, do and think was laid out? And it is all laid out before God. And it's important then that we be conscious and we not be caught up and carried away by 
showing to people how holy and how good we are, how respectable we are, because none of these matter. The only thing that matters is that God sees. What does God see of our lives? It continues, the, and so the psalmist continues, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The reality is that our lives are a mess and we barely make it. But the psalmist also adds something else in verse 10. He says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Now this is a very pessimistic note to all of us. Sometimes we think that things will improve. But as long as there is sin, there is us, there is our sinfulness, there is the sinfulness of others, life will be full of trouble and sorrow. If we were ever to naively think that there will be bliss in this life, we are sadly mistaken. Sometimes we hope and we hope. I remember when I was running a particular organisation and things were getting so bad. And we kept saying, well, we've cleaned up this part. It will get better. And then we've cleaned up the next part and it will get better. And then we've cleaned up even more. It will get better. There will come a day when there will be complete peace. Peace never came. Because problems came one after another from the people that I was leading, but also from myself and my weakness and my own sinfulness. People have often said, as long as there are people, there will always be conflict. Well, partly true, as long as there are sinful people, there will always be conflict. But well, then again, you're all sinful people, so it's about the same. But that's the reality. Each time we hope that things will improve, things do not improve. The reality then is that as the psalmist says, whether your life is 70 or 80, you will, it will pass with a groan. The best of them are but trouble and sorrow, and quickly we fly away. We must accept this as a reality in our lives. Someone said life is difficult. And if we were to accept this as truth, that life is difficult, then perhaps we can face life much better. But hey, I did tell you that this would be a very depressing session, but this is only a part of the complete picture. Because on Thursday, we'll talk about the hope that we have. The hope is not always about a changed situation, an improved situation. It will be about a changed us and an improved us. Situations may not change, but we do change. And that's what is powerful. And finally, the psalmist then ends with, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Despite all the problems that we have, the psalmist says, Well, God, I want to live my life as best as I can. I know that I live a lot of my life in your wrath and your anger because the things that I do will disgust you, will disgust anyone. But God, help me to live my life to the best that I can. You know, we have a day, we live a day at a time. The question often is, what do we spend, what do we do with that day? 
How much of that day are we working, serving, living, resting in godly ways? How much of our time is wasted in sinful living, in resentful living, in lustful living? How much of our lives do we waste away? It's a very sobering thought. Because every bit, every moment of our lives are transparent before God. God sees it all. When He sees our lives, what does He see? Does He see a person who's wise? person who spends her time well, constructively, restfully, worshipfully? Are we people who have just frittered another day, another year of our lives away? Let us pray. Father, give us each a heart of wisdom to we may number our days, that each day will be important to us, to others and to you especially. Father, we don't want to live externally for others to see because that's so useless and unsatisfying. We want to live our lives fully that even when nobody sees, we feel satisfied that we have lived well. But we know too that you see all the time. You see through our charades. You see through our our lies, our disguises, our facades. And God, we really want to live lives that are honourable, that have integrity, that mean something to you and to others and to myself. So help me, Lord, help me to live each day, to be aware, to number my days, and to gain a heart of wisdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, thanks for joining me again today and do tune in again on Thursday. I look forward to sharing with you the better side, the better news that we have. Thank you, God bless, goodbye.